Hi, I'm Brittany Hoffman. And I'm Madeline Fitz. Welcome to Shifting Ears, the internal podcast that we're starting here at Valley Metro. Talking about all things transit, transportation, and everything you need to know about the agency, behind the scenes, and some upfront stuff you may not know about. Brittany. Maddie. Today, we are doing something that we've only done one other time in the history of the Shifting Ears podcast. I am so excited. What is it? We are investigating a topic that was sent in to us by a fellow employee. Who is the lucky winner? So big shout out to Leanne Ottaway, who stopped by my office a couple weeks ago, said she's a fan of the podcast. Thanks, Leanne. We always appreciate those compliments. (laughs) Keep them coming. And she suggested we talk to someone at the OMC about what it's like to maintain or operate a light rail vehicle. Maddie, I think that's very interesting because you and I definitely both take the light rail very often and we just get in and we arrive safely at our next destination. And it is a testament to our operators that I honestly don't think about them very much when I'm riding the light rail. I get on, it's a smooth ride, I get off, I get to and from my destination safely and efficiently. But we have a special guest today that's going to tell us all about what it's like to operate a train And what it's like to teach someone how to operate a train. Best you haven't thought about that before. It's not like learning to drive a car. I'll tell you that much. So without further ado, let's hear from our special guest, Jim Mullins. Wait, one more thing, Maddie. Make sure you're listening during the entire episode because we have an opportunity for prizes at the end. Lord knows I love prizes. But back to the plan. Here's our special guest. My name is James Mullins. I am currently an instructor for Valley Metro ACI, and I work in the Light Row Operations Center here. Um, been here just over nine years. I started as a train operator, promoted from there to field soup, from field soup to OCC line controller, and now instructor. So, Well, that's quite a career. Yeah, my, my call sign's T10 because I'm a perfect 10. So. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah, it's not. It's just a number they gave me. I just, you know, you got to go with it, right? Yeah. Well, 10 (laughs) is my birthday number, so I think it's great. Right on, right on, right on. So, Jim, you've obviously been with Valley Metro for a while. You've seen it all coming up through the ranks. And now we have a brand new mode ready to hit the streets. It's the streetcar. Yay. Yes. (laughs) Finally, it's coming. Yes, right. Right. So can you tell us the difference between operating a light rail vehicle and a streetcar? Operating a streetcar is obviously a a lot different, but also very similar to operating a a light rail vehicle. There's a what they call a master controller in both that is responsible for propulsion and braking. But yet streetcar is a lot smaller. It weighs a lot less, less doors, and it also operates within the vehicle lane of traffic. So if vehicles are going down university east and west, so is the light rail vehicle. And it'll be in the lane of traffic with cars. So you have to operate with other vehicles like you're driving your car, except you don't have a steering wheel and you don't have a, an accelerator or brake or clutch or none of that. So so you just have a master controller. That, those are some of the smaller differences. Obviously, a light rail vehicle is longer, heavier, and we can connect up to three cars together, they call them a consess, so three car consess, and consess is just a uh, industry term for a light rail vehicle. Tempe streetcar will never be coupled together. They're meant to be operated singly, so there will only be one consess at a time. 
and what limits LRV operation concept wise is the length of our platforms. They can only accommodate a three car. So you mentioned this a little bit that streetcar drives in the same lane as other vehicles, but different than driving a car. But how different is it to operate a streetcar or a light rail than a just a regular car? Like if I drive a car, could I hop in there and just no. take it? <laughs> it seems easy because you've got a master controller where you pull it, you, know, you bring it back. Or it, it's kind of like the old school hot rod T-handled clutches where it's the T-handle and you bring it back to shift gears. For the light rail, that's kind of the way the master controller looks. It's a T-handled controller that you have to press down because it has a safety feature called the dead man. And then you pull it back for propulsion and then it has a coast mode. So when you reach certain speeds, you put it in coast and you just go down the road at posted speed. And then braking, you push it forward past coast. So it is a lot different than operating a vehicle because we use the different signaling systems. We have switches and aspects and signals that we have to obey that are different than uh, regular vehicle traffic. So having that type of mode of operations is a lot different than just operating a car. But here in Tempe Streetcar, there is a major difference because part of the alignment is with aspects, signals, switches, and bar signals. But also there are areas where we don't have any of that and we have to operate with actual traffic signals like automobiles do. You have to be able to kind of switch back and forth between both on Tempe Streetcar. So it's going to require a little bit higher level of paying attention than we normally do. So once people get used to it, it'll work out really well. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say that braking system, I think for me is what scares me a little bit. I would never want to operate a light rail or streetcar vehicle. Well, you got to understand we have three different braking systems on both vehicles. So for regular LRVs and Tempe Streetcar, there's three braking systems. You have your dynamic braking, you have your friction brakes, and then you also have uh, what they call a big track brake. All right, so kind of the difference between the three. Dynamic braking is really similar to running a uh, generator backwards or an engine brake on a big rig. They could normally call those Jake brakes. So they're like on the big rig, they're using the engine to help slow the vehicle down. Same thing with LRV and streetcar. And so what it does is the motor starts to basically reverse polarity and helps the vehicle slow down using its own electrical engine. And in that case, it basically turns into a generator and then feeds power back into our OCS system, which stands for overhead catenary system, which is what powers the trains through the, uh, I like to say, people go, well, what is that thing on top of the train? For most common folk, I'll say it's the antenna thingy. And then they just kind of laugh and, and giggle a bit, but it's called a panograph. And a panograph is what is used to obviously take the uh, vehicle and power it. So with those braking systems, dynamic is basically turns the uh, motor into a generator, slows the vehicle down, and then at five miles an hour or less, the friction brakes come on. So that's just like on a regular car. It's got a big disc brake, ginormous, it's huge. And then uh, brake shoes, that helps slow the vehicle down to a complete stop when you're at five miles or less, I believe. And then you have your giant track brake, and your giant track brake is a ginormous magnetic brake that when it's activated literally grabs the rail with polarity and, and magnetism and just grabs it and basically tries to hold the vehicle in place. So and those are mortally used in emergency situations. Wow. Okay, so that's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> so three braking systems, dynamic, friction, track. 
That's the wow. best way to understand. And the streetcar and light rail both have those? All three, yep. Okay, so something that streetcar has that light rail doesn't is off-wire capability. What's it like and how much is the operator involved when it comes to taking the streetcar on-wire versus off-wire? And that is that like a whole other set of directions that have to be followed? It is. So the difference you're talking about is basically ESS. It's called uh, Energy Storage System. So the Tempe streetcar has this ESS system. It's a bank of batteries. There's two sets on the roof of the car that when the pantograph is up, they're charging. And then when the pantograph's down in certain areas where there is no overhead catenary system or what they call OCS, it runs on batteries. So very much like putting a, a battery in a car. It operates the same. You do have a limited amount of time to operate it, but every time that the pantograph touches the OCS, it's always charging those batteries. There is a literally a, an ESS push button, but we have certain locations where the operator, it's supposed to actually do it automatically when the operator gets uh, within, it's called a wayside loop, and the train pulls in, it, it's supposed to either raise or lower the pantograph in those sections where there is no OCS, but it hasn't been fully worked out the kinks at this point from what I understand. But if that's the case, then the operator has to push button and lower the pantograph and then turn the batteries on themselves. Now, the way they do that is there are certain areas and platforms where there's literally a sign that is posted and it says pan up or pan down. It's a giant yellow sign and it says pan up, pan down with arrows pointing up and arrows pointing down. So the operator has to pay attention and make sure that that's done correctly. Oh, I have not noticed those signs. Well, that's like a little Easter egg, I guess, for all of us. We can go out there in Tempe and spot those. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're always at a platform. You always, we'll always pan up and pound down at a platform when we're stopped. We're fully stopped. We have a great team, and it's a lot of fun to work together and work out these kinks, you know. One, one of the things that this LRV, this Tempe streetcar, has that on the ESS system that most trains don't have, it also has chillers. And people are like, well, what's a chiller? A chiller is designed to keep the batteries cold. So think about an HVAC system or a radiator system in your car, right? So when your car reaches a certain temperature, it starts to flow the antifreeze and water through to cool the engine down to keep it at a good operating temperature. Same thing here with the batteries. So this is one of the first systems that we're using to see how it works in the summertime. Because if the batteries get too hot, you ain't going to go nowhere. So, yeah, so it does have a chiller system on top, which is actually pretty cool. Cool. I was going to say that's very forward thinking because we yeah. all know it gets very hot here during mm -hmm. the summer. Very hot. Um, currently, the batteries are set to run 28 minutes total time without any type of charging or OCS. We can basically run the vehicle about 6.4 miles on that 28 minutes. Oh, that's a pretty yeah. long time. It is. It actually is. Distance. It's quite, a, quite yeah. a long time. Cool. A lot of people were a little skeptical in the beginning of, is that enough? Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's enough to get us to where we can at least pan up and at least get the batteries charged if we have some sort of a event. Let's just call it that. So, Jim, when operators are thinking about driving a light rail vehicle versus a streetcar vehicle, what are some things they have to think about or pay attention to while they're out driving that vehicle? Everything. They have to pay attention to everything. Their entire environment is changing. Unlike vehicles who can stop at a lot shorter distances, a streetcar and an LRV are a lot heavier. So I'll give you an example. The, the Kinky Shero train weighs 98,132 pounds empty. That's just one train. 
Okay, so imagine three of those hooked together going down the road, and that's just empty. That's that's those numbers, you know. And then each kinky will hold 66 sitting and 150 standing for 216, I believe, capacity. But I know for a fact that we've put more people on a kinky than that. Uh, ask me how I know because I operated Super Bowl the last time <laughs> I was here. So a lot of the differences that they got to look for is obviously the environment's ever-changing. Tempe Streetcar is a whole new animal. Number one, it's new. So people sometimes fear stuff that's new. They're going to have to embrace it a little bit. And then they're going to have to pay attention to lowering and raising the pantograph, making sure those are, are done. That's something that we don't do on a regular uh, light rail vehicle, except for, you know, resetting it at a terminal end. And then also obeying traffic laws. I'll give you an example, the regular light rail, we don't need to use turn signals or hazard lights. On Tempe Streetcar, we're going to have to use turn signals and hazard lights. And people are like, well, why are we going to do that? You're on your own rail. It's to let everybody else know that we're turning and stopping. It isn't for us. It's for everybody else. I'm interested to know, as an instructor, you're teaching people Mm -hmm. how to operate these giant vehicles. And the only thing I can compare it to is being a student driver and driving around in a car that had giant yellow stickers plastered all over it that said student driver. Right. Does that exist for light rail operators? Do people just practice in the yard when they're first sitting behind the wheel of a train, so to speak? Or what's that process like? There's obviously a 90-day probationary period, which we do about seven weeks of training with everybody. And of course, we go through all the basics, all the controls of the train. And then for operating, we do start here in the yard. We start little, just going up and down one track, and then we progress it up from there switching from one track to another track in the yard and then going around the the yard you know how to get around how to read switches and what switches do is they are they allow a train to move from one track to another and then we go through that in the yard and then once that's done in the yard then we take the students out in an empty single train out of the yard and we as instructors operate and we bring all the students up front and they're allowed to sit in what they call the jump seat which is a seat right next to the operator's chair and they get to see it from that perspective and point of view. And then some hard questions are asked, like basically, can you do this? And realizing that our job is very safety sensitive, very safety critical, in that you have souls aboard that you're responsible for. You're responsible for millions of dollars of equipment and your own soul. So you have to be okay with that type of responsibility. Some people, once they get that speech, decide to bow out because they're not. Uh, matter of fact, in the class I'm training right now, I had one guy do that. He said, you know what, I don't think I can uh, handle that type of pressure. I said, that, that's perfectly fine. That's why I, I, I say it and phrase it the way I do, because it's about souls aboard. You're responsible for theirs and your own and the million dollars of equipment that we're entrusting you to operate. If you can't, then finding someplace else to work would probably be your best bet. That's basically how we do it. And then once we do that, then they start operating out on the main line, of course, with us next to them. No people on board, normally single LRVs. And depending on the size of the class, we may break them up. You know, So like right now, I've got 10 students, and they've been operating pretty well back and forth with no passengers, and we're getting ready to start picking up people. And so they'll start picking up passengers with us uh, next to them in the jump seat and they'll get that feel. So that's basically how the progression works. It's, it, we take baby steps to make sure everybody's good to go. Well, and we appreciate that because as you said, we are moving people. So it's very souls. important. Safety is obviously a top priority for Valley Metro, not only for our riders, as you said, but also for all of our employees. That's right. 
Absolutely. Safety is number one. So I'm kind of curious, I mean, what did you do before becoming a light rail operator? And then what are most of the operator, like, is it a lot of bus operators that decide they want to try something different or former truck it drivers? Is. Or It is. The original staffing of the, of the facility was staffed out of the bus driver pool. And a, a few of them, uh, they were given the opportunity to come over. They did. Some went back because they didn't like it. And then others obviously stayed. A lot of our uh, operators come from different walks of life, anywhere from the single mom who hasn't had a job for years because she's a single mom, to people out of law enforcement, people who have been in transit and other properties throughout the United States mm -hmm. and have retired out of that particular property. Or we've got people from New York, we've got people from Chicago, we have people from California, but the majority of our staff has some sort of transit experience, whether it be bus, neighborhood circulator like the Zoom or the Mary. Yeah, so they come from different walks of life. Uh, I used to be in law enforcement. I did eight years of that. And before that, I was in the semiconductor industry. So I helped Intel and Motorola make computer chips there for a while. Oh. That, yeah, so I've, I've been around a little bit. I did some over-the-road trucking for a very short period of time, like six months. Didn't like that. <laughs> My main background is uh, law enforcement and in transit. So, And let me tell you about our operator staff. Our operator staff is absolutely top-notch. They're great people. Every single one of them does an extremely good job. They work very hard to operate these trains safely to get people from point A to point B on time. Sometimes we're late. Most of the time, it's not our fault. And these operators out here are doing God's work trying to uh, get these uh, massive behemoths down the road. Maddie, I feel like I learned so much about what goes into operating a streetcar, the differences between light rail vehicles and streetcars, and also that I could never operate either because it seems very daunting and there's a lot of pressure that goes on those operators. A lot of pressure. And also, I could not believe how effective it was when Jim kind of gave his little example of asking an operator if they think they're up to the task. And immediately, the voice in my head just screamed, no, absolutely not. You are not up to this task. <laughs> but clearly a very important step in the training process. And we're grateful for people that know themselves well enough to know that they can or cannot do that job. Because that's a very, very crucial step in making it to operator graduation day, for sure. Yes. And we are very thankful for them. We are very thankful for Jim for coming on the episode with us. Always a shout out to our guests. We love all of them for coming on. And a new addition to the Shifting Ears podcast. Are you ready for it, Maddie? I'm ready. We are going to have a bonus question at the end of every episode. And the first person to email us back at podcast at bellymetro.org with the correct answer wins a gift card. No way. Yeah, way. And no, Maddie, you can't win. Oh. Okay, well, can I tell you guys the question then? Of course. Please tell them All right. the question. All right, drum roll, please. Today's question is How many types of braking systems are on a light rail vehicle or streaker? If you know the answer, email podcast at valleymetro.org and you will win a gift card if you're the first one to answer. So hurry up. Also, if you have any ideas like Leanne Ottaway did and want to hear them on Shifting Ears, email us at podcast at valleymetro.org. For Valley Metro, I'm Madeline. I'm Brittany. Thanks for riding with us. We'll meet you at the next stop.